Um, you got it. Come on, mind. <laughs> What's the... I don't give a... <laughs> my mind is just not you're, wanting you're, to function today. You just fried tonight. I don't know why. Long day? Like, not what really what happened to you today? Nothing much. I, the day was fine. I was just... I'm just tired. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've had your tea. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to have more. Good. More. Ah. Good. I have mine. It's it's cooling in front of me. And um, actually, I want to say that I hit the recording button just a little bit ago. So that's as good a uh, point as I need to say. Welcome back to 1999 with your good friends, David King of Midnight Marinara and Dead Palette of... No. I'm going to make it awkward for you and not say my name. <sighs> and Dead Palette of Dead Palace Tales for Banality. For Banality? For Banality. That's For, that's for a, a brighter Banality future. There's a great, big, beautiful Banality. <laughs> There's alliteration there. I am a fan of alliteration, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really work well in the world of creepypasta, so... Not it really. That doesn't shine. <laughs> well, I wasn't aiming... I'm not aiming to make the world of creepypasta a better place, or am I? I mean, really, what's the mission statement of Undercooked Analysis if not to make the world of creepypasta a slightly better place? Or at the very least, uh, pull stories apart a little bit at a time and sample their uh, flavor as a... Um, as a food taster might. Because, you know, on this show, uh, food analogies come thick and fast. <laughs> I'm slightly creamy. Mm-mm, just the way I like it. Um. <laughs> well, tonight... This is, this is going nowhere quick. Yeah, this is really going nowhere quick. Well, why don't we just get into the story, then? Uh, okay. For those of you who were... Listening before this, like I said, this is part two of 1999, where last time we talked about it, we actually had a lot of uh, good things to say about the story. Yes, yes, we did. And again, can't stress this enough. This is an amazing case study because usually you find stories that are attempting, that, that call themselves creepypasta on the tin. And then when you get into them, they are not using the functions or the techniques or you know, the the structure that you would expect from a creepypasta. Mm -hmm. And they either, you know, succeed or fail on their own, independent of that. Or you find stories that understand how it works. And usually if you understand how it works, it's there. there's no confusion. You just get it. For mm -hmm. whatever reason, this story has a few flaws, but clearly the person writing it understands the genre of creepypasta in a very robust way. And is just making some slight missteps here and there, which is more than can for this story than can be said for um, the story we have been comparing it to, which is Happy Appy. Yes. Which, by the way, uh, in the break between uh, episodes, I went back and I read it, and uh, to be completely honest, I had not read Happy Appy before. I just knew it by reputation, and I read it, and I couldn't finish it. I just don't like it. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's, it's not very good. And that's a rare story where that they're using the functions of creepypasta, but for whatever reason, they're just fucking awful at it. 
Yeah, there's just I don't know. It, there's I uh, we could we could delve. You know what? I might save Happy Happy for another time, like my exact thoughts on Happy Happy because that could fill an entire episode, I think. Yes, it's um squandered potential is what I like to say. Yeah. And and what this story is doing is not squandering the potential of that. It's trying to utilize its format properly. Oh, and definitely. Pull, and pour, pull a lot more out of it than Happy Happy did. Mm-hmm. So that being said, let's see if it continues to succeed and uh, what we can still uh, pull, you know, uh, extract from the story and um, for our studies in the next part, which is uh, the update of 9-21-2011. How about I read this part and then you'll read the next update and we'll just stop along the way to talk? Seems good to me. Okay. Yeah. People have been emailing me, asking me, what exactly happened in 1999? I will get to that. Those weird TV shows I was watching apparently were meant to attract kids to Mr. Bear's house. What Mr. Bear did shocked the entire town. Previously on 1999. Previously on Resident Evil Revelations 2. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do like the setup of the having the updates the the blog style updates you see them a lot of a lot of times with like crappy slenderman blogs mm -hmm. but it's it's rarely utilized in an efficient manner and i like the way that this utilizes it but i'll press on a little more right i was just going to say real quick before i forget this is for record we might want to take a look at ted the caver at some point yeah because um from what I understand, Ted, that follows a similar sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. This one seems a little more uh, interactive, though. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's, well, and we'll, again, delve into that as we when go. When we get there, yeah. Yeah. My dad actually drove me to Caldon along with, uh, with, along with the address to Mr. that Mr. Bear left on the letter. And the house was actually in the outskirts of the town, in the open farmland. I remember, I still remember that house. It looked like an old farmhouse that looked to have been built in the early 1900s. The windows were all boarded up, and the house looked in a state of disrepair. As we walked up to the house, I remember my dad checking the address over and over again, and looking at the house in disbelief. Then the door opened. It was Cthulhu. It was Cthulhu in a Mr. Bear mask. Oh God, no! I expected Mr. Bear to be at the door, but I was surprised to see a police officer emerge from the creaking doorway. The officer began talking to my dad. Well, I quickly asked if that was Mr. Bear's house. The officer's face cringed slightly and muttered, Oh, God, or something like that. He started talking quietly to my dad, so I couldn't hear although my dad told me to go to the car anyway. And then we just went home. My dad was quiet the whole way home. I felt something strange had happened. I really I like, I really you know, like this. I, <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to drink tea. Um, yeah, it's... 
the idea of painting this picture of adults talking and you're a kid and you're not allowed to know what's going on i like that yeah i i, I was gonna say that was a very it's a very good detail and it's that it's it rings true and especially as something this kid would remember when it comes to um how you recall how he's put the pieces together for 1999 or for the Mr. Bear's channel now. Mm -hmm. uh, the officer being upset too is a nice detail of like, it's um the, the medic, the German medic thing where the inside the envelope, the woman was going to be the last one that they were sending today to be slaughtered. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's I've read that. that effect. I like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My dad never told me what happened for a while. I forgot about it anyway, too. Channel 21 no longer came on. And when I asked about it, my dad would not acknowledge its existence. I think it was when I was 13 where I learned the truth. I remember Channel 21 one day. And I asked my dad about it. I guess he finally decided I should hear the truth. Son, when a man and a bear love each other very much... <laughs> There's a fire inside of you. <laughs> um, we go fire camping in the woods. Yes. Fire a walk with me. Um, he's... <laughs> I like this idea, too, Ruth. When adults lie to kids. Adults sometimes do not give kids enough credit. A lot of the times they don't. It's true. They'll They'll treat kids like they're fucking moronic, like they don't have two brain cells to rub together. Right. So if I just don't talk about it, they won't know about it. No, the kid knows about it, and there's nothing that kids hate more than being condescended to. Oh, yeah. And this kid, his dad was, you know, for good reasons, trying to, you know, cover this up and everything, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Have any thoughts on this? Well, I mean, it could have been worse. I mean, the fact that he just kind of stopped talking, like, when I asked my dad about it, he wouldn't acknowledge his existence. And I think about how persistent was Elliot in trying to figure out what happened? Like, do you think he was, he or she was, um, like, it doesn't really give a sense of that. Like, I almost get the impression, like, he's like, Elliot asked about it. The dad didn't say anything, and Elliot just kind of moved on in a weird way. You know what this kind of reminds me of in a strange way is the ending to Whimsywood. Oh, hey. So, <clears throat> in in the case of Whimsywood, there you have this kid narrator, and there's a lot more ambiguity there although you can pretty well guess whimsy wood was a real experience right but that is like that's what that story is talking about is the adults condescending to kids mm -hmm. and the dad didn't say you're not old enough to know about this or we'll talk about it later or try and like acknowledge its existence and then push it aside and say when you're older we'll talk about it but you're just not there yet Right. He's not acknowledging it. He's treating his son like he's or daughter as he's like he's stupid, like they're stupid. Well, I guess that yeah, you know that that's probably one way you could perceive it. I don't know. I think in terms, I don't know. Um, I just, I just again, I just assume the kid would persist, especially if 
like he just wouldn't talk about it, you know? Yeah, I think it would. I mean, that wouldn't that. Would, dad, I think we even if we can't recall it, I'm sure we've all been through a situation like this where mm-hmm. it's like, holy shit, my th- these adults will just not acknowledge that this happened. It's right. weird. Why are adults and, so and strange they, in that they won't talk about this? We should know the details, and and especially yeah. you know what he uh, uh, Elliot is five or six years old at this point, right? Yes. When you're five um, or six years old, it's not quite three years old, obviously, but why is still a pretty prominent question in your vocabulary, right? No, uh, we're, yeah, yes. <laughs> Kids are very fucking curious. Uh, no, I guess he was 13. Oh, no, that's when he learned the truth. Yeah, yeah so that's he when was, he learns the truth. Okay, yeah, so he was five, and at 13, they're like, okay, you getting know about this now. Again, Count we on... still, hmm? Oh, I was going to. No, go ahead. I was going to continue reading. Oh, okay. All I was going to say was we still, we still don't really have also a sense of what, uh, what gender Elliot is. So, well, not still not really gendered. Not really. We can we can kind of get a sense though that uh, Elliot is in a single parent household, probably. Yeah, I'm getting that feeling. And probably not a divorced household either. I think it might be just dad. Ah, because all we hear about is dad. We never hear about mom. We've yeah, we've yet to hear about mom if mom exists is in the picture at all. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's press on though. There's a lot Cal- more to talk about. Caldon Local Twenty One was a local TV channel that ran from October 1997 to August 1999 in the Portland in the Peel region of Ontario. In the Portland region, I don't think there's a Portland in Canada. No, the entire. <laughs> the entire Go. channel was uh, made from uh, from a house in Caldon, the one I visited, and ran by a man who was not really known by anyone in the town. The channel was only available to older TVs because the the signal was only picked up by rabbit ears, weaker frequency. The man created all the shows on the channel, all of which were kids shows. His hand was booby. He was Mr. Bear. And he was the mysterious cameraman. The real reason he created the channel was more disturbing than what I had originally thought. As you might have already guessed, he was kidnapping kids and held them uh, in his cellar. But while most people thought he was a serial child molester, he really wanted to use the kids for another purpose. The day I arrived, the man had fled his house the night before the day before police went to went in for their investigation i wasn't the only one who was watching that would make sense like one of the things you would start asking is how many people actually watched calda and local 21 yeah um but i mean even if it's a frequency you're probably gonna pick up more people than we do with our shitty youtube channels (laughs) we we are we are but small blips in a crowd Yes. Um, so the last paragraph of this update to me kind of reads like the author said, shit, I did front load things, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, I got to do some stuff here. I got to do some housekeeping. Mm-hmm. So he says um, he's not a child molester. So he's trying to pinpoint, look, this is more interesting than that. Keep yeah, like, reading, keep paying attention to this, because I got something more interesting planned 
to happen. Like, I know what you guys are thinking. I know you think you've got all the answers, but it, there, it's deeper than that. Like, yes. if he was just a child molester, that would be horrible. Like, definitely horrible, but there's got to be more to it, so. Yeah, you can, and again, I, I hate the term cheap, but that would be a very cheap thing. And I think they're really, the author is trying to put forward something a little more clever than that. Yeah. Because if, if it was as simple as that, you can predict that from the outset, and that's the problem. Not that it's, um, you know, something offensive or cheap or whatever, but it's just predictable. So they want to do something, you know, more flavorful. And I think the Mr. Bear character, even if it is a little overbearing at times, <laughs> is pretty flavorful. You know what I mean? Overbearing. <laughs> oh, I I legitimately did not mean to. I, I know. I, I didn't intend that pun at all. I know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it into one anyway because I'm that kind of guy. And oh, I like. And I'm not sorry. Thing. Where's the line? Um. Uh. Good heavens. Good heavens. So, no. We're going to cut out all of this dead air and Probably. make it sound like I, I immediately found it. I, I, if I'm feeling generous, yes. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. As you might have guessed already, he kidnapped the kids and held them in the cellar. Like, I really like that line because that is just the acknowledgement, acknowledgement right there. Yeah, I gave too much away too quick. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, no, definitely. He's it's it's not backpedaling, which is nice. It's just like, no, I get it. You guys you guys know what you're talking about and so do I, but again, trust me on this. There's more to the story than just that just that detail. Yeah, he kind of, I think whoever wrote this, he or she kind of saw from the get-go like after, you know, getting feedback. Yeah, I front-loaded this and I kind of treated you guys like you're dumb and I'm seeing now that my audience isn't dumb. So it's like, I'll stop insulting your intelligence. I, I would imagine that was the author's uh, perception of the whole thing. Uh, and again, that could come from the idea that sometimes you feel like, well, the typical audience that reads Creepypasta really need to have stuff explained to them and they need to really have it set forward for them or they're not going to like give your story the time of day. Much in the same mm -hmm. way, like, you know, the we were just talking about having having to condescend to kids. This is almost like the idea that I, maybe I need to condescend a little to to the reader. Yes. So and I I don't know if we were talking about this the last time we were recording on the recording or just us talking afterwards. Mm -hmm. But we were talking about um the fact that a lot of the times people feel the need to condescend, and sometimes me and you as people who deal with this stuff we don't know how obvious or not obvious to be because we do want to challenge people, but we still want people to pay attention. Right. This was and a I... conversation we had that we didn't record. Although yeah. in inevitably we're going to talk about it at some point because um, yes. if and honestly... We'll and we'll probably have um, King Spook on for that conversation because I know he's dealt with similar problems and has expressed similar frustrations. Ah, well, King Spook and I have come to an accord. He's definitely interested in being on undercooked analysis so uh keep an eye out all you guys and gals out there we might have um we might have a discussion with the spook the duke of spook and it's it's a matter of trying to figure out what you can do to really push your audience to 
investigate more and and grab more out of its story. Right. Um, uh, one of uh, the old, the caveat I want to give to that is one time I saw this happen. I didn't actually post my grad night story on Reddit mm-hmm. originally, but someone else did under the, just the name Haunted House. I reported it, of course, because it was someone just taking my story and giving it a different name and claiming it was theirs. Hmm. But the people who read that in the comments actually looked into the events. Someone posted a link that said, proof that the guy, that the idiot who drowned actually drowned. <laughs> and I was like, "Thank, there you go. That's what I want. I want people to go and look this stuff up and find the basis of fact that's behind the fiction, you know? Mm-hmm. And to try and start thinking about, okay, what are the connections? What's going on? Like planting little nuggets of stuff. And that's why... Because of stuff like that is why creepypasta has to be airtight mm-hmm. and why you can't have these threads that you can pull out where it becomes clearly a work of fiction. You really have to play with that frame of reality. And so when you have, you know, facts and everything that back you up and then all of the stuff that's fantastical can't be disproven, that is where you have to work in that area. Definitely. Because if you can fact-check the other stuff and it's real, then the stuff that you can't fact-check also has to be real in your your rational reptile brain, you know? Mm-hmm. So it feels real even if it isn't. And that's a, that's, a, that's a key lesson for anybody who wants to write creepypasta and write effective creepypasta. And this person, the, the author of this, understands this well. Definitely. Bringing it back to 1999. Yeah, let's swing back to 1999 while we're at it. Because we're actually moving and on to the next update. we will update. get jiggy with it. Nah, 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 nah. Is that, a, is that also a reference to Mr. Bear because Banjo-Kazooie? You know, collecting jiggies? That's... Man, you are stretching. <laughs> you are fucking limber tonight. I, I, just, I just want the bear puns so bad. I want the bear puns so bad. But here's here's the thing. Bear puns are the fucking easiest puns in the world. <laughs> Top bear 10 pun bear to... puns you can make in this situation. Number 10, I'm a bear. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so update 110911. Uh, this is me, right? Yep. Okay, then. Sorry for not answering any questions for so long. I haven't accessed my email account for some time. Anyway, let me finally set some things straight about what I know. Back in October, I visited the house previously owned by the man who ran Caledon Local 21. Two women lived there, operating a daycare business. (laughs) How ironic. Now to answer the questions you guys emailed me. Uh, one sec. Might cut that bit out where I move my microphone. Yeah. Do you want to pose the questions and I'll answer them? Uh, yeah, before we do that, though, just a side note. Me and you, as actual human beings, not as dead palette and pasta shade, mm-hmm. we have a lot of young people in our lives, don't we? We do. Um, my In various ways, yeah. I mean... I remember, I remember sometime last October, we were supposed to do something together, and then I was really fucking sick, and that didn't happen. <sighs> But we were writing something that involved children mm-hmm. and and also uh, weird people out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, 
daycare and like looking after kids is something close to me and you and mm-hmm. man it'd be nice if we wrote something about children's lives <laughs> wouldn't it it really would wouldn't it maybe maybe this october we'll get around to doing that shit <laughs> maybe we will <laughs> who else watched Caldon local 21 I know other people watched it for sure, including those kids who wound up at Mr. Bear's house. After some Google searches, I found a few people on the No Seeker forums who were discussing shows from Caldon Local 21. They talked about the kids' shows I watched, but also two other shows I'd never seen before. A user named Am I Real Life seemed to know all the shows that were broadcasted on Channel 21. Here are the two I've never heard of. The Fallen Angel and Life. Am I Real Life described it as a fairly boring show about a guy rambling on and on in front of a camera about how we must please Satan and appease him before it's too late. Can we pause there for a moment? Because I just want to say, once again, I feel like the front loading is strong with this one. Um, Just a little bit. I think what I do like about this is... One we don't we don't know who I am real life is right for all of we know for all we know this could be a fan who wrote something uh, to the author and they ended up liking it so they included it or it could be the author posing as a different person as is the case with like Candle Cove where Chris Straub is every character right um I do like the fact that it's on a neo seeker form because neo seeker forms are like just weird corners of the internet. They're kind of anachronistic. It's kind of like um, Live Journal or something where people don't really go there anymore, but they still exist. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's a place called uh, Territorialini Forums. It's oh. like, man, that it's, sucks no one goes there because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of high-minded people who know and understand creepypasta there. But anyway. It sounds like um, a place I should haunt. Yeah, they're pretty cool. It's pretty much dead, though. It's like finding ruins of, like, all of these hidden gym creepypastas. But anyway. Well, um, I'm I'm all for uh, exploring abandoned places, though. Yes. Uh, Um, But, yeah. I I like that I Am Real Life clearly isn't as poetic as the author is. Oh, of course. This person has less of a memory about this stuff, you know? Uh-huh. Is recalling details less clearly. Yeah. So I mean, okay, I, I I hadn't really considered that part of it, but you make a good point. And the thing is, I guess the thing is, like, from a from a overarching standpoint, the fact that the fallen angel in life comes up and it's a theme we have to keep in mind. I'm just going like, so this puts the idea in your mind if you're smart about it that maybe Mr. Bear is sacrificing children to Satan. Yeah, and I also like the idea of, I mean. Maybe the Elliot person, the author, is telling the truth, and then I am real life could just be a jackass making stuff up, which would be pretty meta. That's entirely possible. I would hope so. (laughs) So this person who, again, creepypasta always should frame itself as real life. I am real life. This is real life. And so they should frame it as real life, and then maybe this person comes along and posts some bullshit so it's like... They're putting a creepypasta on this real-life thing, which itself is a creepypasta, which gets really <laughs> confusing and meta really fucking quick. Super meta. Uh, um, 
you want to do paint with the soul? Yes, paint with the soul. I am real life, and another user called Siggy92 were discussing this show. They described it as Blair Witch-like, and it consisted of the cameraman wandering around a forest at night, doing nothing particularly interesting. Again, I am real life seems keen on describing it as, yeah, that thing it was watching was actually kind of boring. A guy talking about Satan you wouldn't think would be that boring. But, yeah. Um, but then again, he also describes walking around in the woods with a camera as pretty boring, which it might be after a while. Yeah, but it is fun. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, I'll go looking for the conversation and see if I can get the link. Okay, good. You you get on that, Elliot. You get on that. Where is Mr. Bear? Or the guy who wore the costume? If I did know, I would have said earlier. I have no idea where this guy is, if he's dead or alive. Hopefully dead. When I see my dad's friend next time, I will ask him about this. Maybe I can get a more definite answer. What did Mr. Bear do to the children? This is by far the most common question I've been asked. I found this out in October as well, via my dad's friend who is retired, a retired Caledon regional officer. Apparently the man playing Mr. Bear took the kids out of the house and into the forest nearby. What he did there, police are not exactly sure how it happened, but... 16 charred bodies of children between the ages of 4 and 13 were found in a 15 by 15 foot ditch deep within the forest. My dad's friend did not want to go into exact details, but I'm seeing him next Thursday anyway, so maybe I can extort more information from him then. Um, hmm. Retired police officer in Caledon region, uh, 16 charred bodies, 4 to 13, 15 by foot, uh, 15 foot ditch. Um, time for me to say my favorite catchphrase, the go. Fleming effect. Ah, uh, yes. The Fleming effect. The Fleming fucking, effect. I was wondering fucking if you love were, it. I was wondering if you were going to get to that, especially as I, the more I went through this paragraph, I'm just going to go like, he's going to fucking, he's going to fucking Fleming... say it. <laughs> he's going to fucking bring he up the Fleming up effect. About it. He won't fucking shut up about it. It's, you know, it's kind of like how I won't shut up about certain things either. So, I'm gonna give them. I'm, I'm granting it to you. You wanna you wanna tell people the the uninitiated about the Fleming effect? Uh, I think we kind of covered that a little bit by saying, if you have all of these details that you can fact check, the shit that you can't fact check uh, will seem more real. The reason it gets coined as the Fleming effect is because Ian Fleming was a pro at this. It made things more essentially graspable, made it grounded more in reality. So when really extraordinary stuff came up in the Bond stories, you would be more inclined to accept it. Yeah, and that's why the phrase shake and not stirred is so popular because um, you always shake, uh, you always stir martinis, and not if you order one for Mr. Bond because he wants it uh, shaken. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he's that's an interesting detail about him. There's all kinds of little interesting details. Makes stuff seem realer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, really, that's all I have for now. Uh, thanks for keeping an interest in my blog. I'll try to gather as much information as I can for my next post. I've actually been getting pretty interested in this myself. It should be my right to know what the hell happened. Agency. I like it. Yeah. Um, like, Elliot, I, I, Elliot I himself like... is getting more invested. Yes. 
I do like the idea of these characters were initially just kind of putting this out there, mm-hmm. and then they get this attention, and okay, well, I wasn't really expecting to get this attention, but now I want to know about my past, because this is strange. Mm-hmm. And especially if, uh, scroll, going back, is what if the other two users are other people who just contributed to the story and added those other details? Like, they're not the author. Yeah, you can't really know. Yeah. Because, again, this person hasn't broken kayfabe. Not yet. Which is really good. I mean, damn. Um, we're going on to uh, February 1st. 2012 mm-hmm. which is um how many months has it been yeah it's um, been it's been like three or four months yeah yeah i am sorry i'm sorry i haven't posted anything for a while i kind of lost interest in this blog since i hit a standstill while looking for more information about the identity of the owner of Caldon local 21 i like that that they're setting up look this is real life shit happens I've got a so, job, a girlfriend mm-hmm. or a boyfriend or something. It's kind of like how I'm like, hey, guys, I can't do as many Midnight Marineras right now. No. <laughs> uh, no, man, the fucking politicking you have to do to talk to everyone. Anyway, however, a few weeks ago, I struck gold. Eureka. I found some answers, surprisingly, from the father of the kid I used to babysit. He lived across the street from my house. Uh, He lived across the street, and I used to look after his kids when they were younger. He currently doesn't have a job either. He used to live near the woods outside of Caldon and witnessed the owner's activities in the woods. His name is Anthony Paolo. Or Poyo, if you use the the Spanish. (laughs) Is it? No, No, not with two L's. Not with two L's, right? Yeah, I don't. I just I think it would be funny if his name was Anthony Chicken. <laughs> uh, Someone's got to make this lively. It might as well be me. Anyway. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he um, Lively. Are you saying? Okay. I'm just kidding. Pun, pun, I'm, pun I'm, there. I'm, pun there. Uh, pun. Uh, anyway. Uh, thank you. Thank you. When he, <laughs> when he lived in the small bungalow outside of the woods, he would often venture into... Uh, ventured to smoke a joint of marijuana or two before returning to his work as a woods craftsman. I can read like a robot. You are. Paulo, de- <laughs> Paulo described that sometimes he would hear voices of children coming from deeper within the woods, as well as a glowing light off in the distance. Paulo told me these events started in late 1997. Note, this was around the time local Caldon began airing. He apparently became annoyed by this happening every once in a while and actually went to investigate. Paulo then described what the whole scene looked like when he got there. There was a group of kids, he said about 13 to 17, from the ages of 5 to 12, gathered in a large fire pit, uh, in a large pit, in a large, gathered around a large fire pit with a fire burning. There we go. There. With with him was one single adult. Paula talked to the man. Nothing 
noting his unusual, unkempt appearance of a crack addict, uh, bleh, crack addict, as well as his constant twitching. And he asked what he was doing out in the forest with children. The man said he, they were on a camping trip, something they did frequently. Paolo, not suspecting anything, Caldon is one of the lowest crime rates in Canada, simply left and uh, simply left it at that and told them to be quieter. Paolo then paused for a while uh, before telling me that they never became quieter. In fact, sometimes he heard loud chanting from the children in an unknown language. He didn't bother meeting with the man at the gate. Uh, he didn't bother meeting the man again as he was moving away anyway. All right. Um, I love this whole paragraph. I really do. I just like that. I like what it evokes mm -hmm. and it gives us some new details. We see what we perceive to be Mr. Bear without his mask, or at least we just, we hear an adult who we can pres presume is Mr. Bear. Yeah. I like that he's described as looking unkempt and twitchy like a crack addict. And, but my favorite detail is that he talks about the children chanting in an unknown language. And that, that's a really juicy piece of evidence right there. Cause that makes you think, well, maybe the children were, maybe the children weren't as vict victimized as we thought. Maybe the children are just as part of the ritual as Mr. Bear is. Yes. And I think that this is making a lot of promises and giving us a lot of questions, and some of those questions we're going to need answers for. Mm -hmm. it, it's and... really strong overall. Like I feel like it's 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 uh, it's baiting. Yeah. Um. My only kind of question here is, why would he be friend? How how would he meet Anthony Paulo to know that he would have details? So I think hmm. I kind of I kind of want to know more of like how did he track down this information? How actively has he been seeking it out that he would like ask you know a person he used to babysit for? You know what I mean? That's a good point. Like, and it, it does seem kind of odd that this guy happened to be see this much information and just so happened to be a guy he already knew. Yes, and you know, small world, so it's possible. It, it's it does. Just, it, it's it's viable mainly only because this is a small town. Yes, um, I do like that. It this this story doesn't do this as much as Happy Happy does, where it's like, okay, well, I you know this hidden show that people completely forgot about. Yeah, it just so happens my neighbor has a DVD copy of it. It's like, oh, what the God. fuck? You know? Oh God, that doesn't, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Don't this remind, is don't remind at me. least plausible. Yeah. Again, the Fleming effect allows me to, instead of question it too much, to suspend disbelief and be like, well, this is something that could happen. Like, I'll give Elliot a break here and assume it, it, yeah, it, does it just happened to be a, a helpful coincidence. It does um, kind of set you up at the beginning with like, oh, shit, they're, they're not going to have an answer for this. This is really clear where this is going. And then you get... They're not actually burning the children. The children are around the fire, and, you know, that kind of helps it. Yeah, definitely. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Okay, now I'm still intrigued, you know. Yeah. 
I told Paulo that the man was probably the owner of Caldon Local 21. But he doubted it, as he heard that that man was moving to Pickering by several other residents near that area. Here's what I know now. The man would take the kids into the woods regularly for camping. The fire pit Paulo described may have been the hole the bodies of the children were found in. The children Paulo saw are probably the ones they found dead. The man moved to the city called the man moved to a city called Pickering, a smaller city east of Toronto. I will discuss this with my dad's friend, the ex-cop, and see if this matches anything the police knew about the man. I also wanted to see if he was I also wanted to see if he has any other knowledge of what aired on Caldon Local 21. So he's already kind of like set, setting up here. Um, let's see if the cops know anything. You know, if this mm-hmm. cop knows any more information about the shows and stuff. And that's going to help out this story later down the road. Oh, yeah. So planting those seeds now of, look, let's see if this leads anywhere is a lot more effective than saying, oh, yeah, the cops just had a bunch of episodes. Like, you're planning the idea earlier, and it kind of justifies it a little more in your mind. Mm-hmm. You can so. you can tell... Um, what I resp- admire is you can tell a lot of thought went into sort of how the story was going to be incremented, you know? And yeah. it, had, it plants just enough that you, you're, you're going to wait for the next part. I think that by the second update we're seeing okay this is working this is taking off this is successful people like this i have to you know slow it down a semitone and and let things ride out a little slower and you see the same thing with uh marble hornets where they kind of put slender man out there at the you know front and say yeah. look here's slender man here's slender man and then they're like holy shit, we're getting a bunch of attention. We got to back up, slow down, and see where this can go and draw out of this Dial what back is there. Slender, yeah. and, and maybe this idea is a lot larger than we initially thought. <laughs> so this author wrote something, and it really resonated. So they realized there's a lot more here than what I was expecting. People really are taking this. They're accepting it. I need to not insult their intelligence. Mm. So I think the story from here is getting a lot better. I I agree. Actually, this is you know this is um, this is about the point where when I was reading it, I was like, no, this is I am I am I'm legit intrigued. I'm I'm ready to see how this kind of unfolds, and I really hope. And I had even said I hope that this this continues to unfold at this kind of pace. The pacing. Like, the author has finally realized, like you were saying, that how important the pacing is, and has thus dialed it back to a point where I feel satisfied with it. Because a lot happened really fast early on. Not not as bad as other stories, but now you can tell the author is playing his cards a little closer to the chest. And in the world of Creepypasta, you can have some weird, frantic pacing sometimes because you do need to hide all of the creepy stuff. You kind of have to set it in there that way you can kind of get blindsided by it. Mm-hmm. 
And now when you ha- when you read the paragraph about the children chanting and everything, that kind of blindsides you. It does. It's, it's okay, this is... I, I was sure I understood what was going on here, and I clearly don't. <laughs> there's uh, there's more, again, like instead of just saying, well, there's more, instead of just outright saying, there's more here than you realize, this is a, a detail that makes you go, wait, and then actually does give you pause and go, no, there really is more going on here than we realize, and we want to know what's going on, so we're going to keep reading. And the paragraph before it like really set you up for, oh, this is going to end up generic, and then... The paragraph right after it says, eh, nope. it, assuage, it assuages you of those ideas. Right. And I, I I, dig that. And we could seriously go on for hours, but yes. we have another update. Luckily for us, we, in the present, don't have to wait for updates. We have an update right here as of 3-20-2012. Good news, guys. I talked to my dad's friend, and he disclosed a lot of information for me. First, I asked if the police had any information on the man who ran Caldon Local 21. He replied that they have only had the same leads for years and never found a suspect. However, the Peel Regional Police do have some of the tapes found in the house. Caldon Local 21 was broadcasted from. Uh, He took me over so I could watch a few. I guess I haven't said much about him yet. My dad's friend. His name is uh, Mitchell Wilson. Pretty nice guy. He seemed to understand my thirst for knowledge on what happened during the late 90s in that house. He feels it was wrong that my dad went so long without telling me much. See, this Mitchell Wilson is a stand-up guy. He knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows he shouldn't condescend. Yes. And um, furthermore, um, I know we've you've had uh, struggles reading this, and this is a really, really small thing, but there's a lot of run-on sentences that should end in periods but have commas instead. And, and that throws me off. I think one of the advantages to our format of narrating these stories, because most of the things I write, I just narrate. Uh-huh. I don't put them out there to read. Right. And you are doing audio adaptations. You can use actual human speech patterns to elevate a creepypasta because they're usually written in this blog style. They usually have these run on sentences. And so the reason that creepypasta has evolved and I think narrators are seen as these gatekeepers to creepypasta mm-hmm. for better or for worse. <laughs> Depending. <is> because, yes. <laughs> is because they work better as narrations. Mm-hmm. And so if I am doing my proper job and reading ahead of time and I know how to deliver this, it's a lot more impactful if it's a spoken word. Because it's written as a spoken word. Right. And I think that's one of those the big strengths of, again, both of our works. And the part of the reason that appeals is because, I like everything you said, but in addition, think about what creepypasta is, essentially. It's the internet equivalent of campfire stories. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you're telling a campfire story, the way you tell it is almost more important than the story you're telling sometimes. And and I would say that, yes, it is the evolution of campfire stories, but it also might be the evolution of, like, just weird stories. Mm -hmm. Like, man, this really weird thing happened to me when I was on vacation at Niagara Falls, and it's like, oh, really? It's like, yeah, it it involves 
handcuffs and you're like, oh, that's a weird fucking story. Like, I want like, to hear now, about well, that. this I got to hear, you know. And obviously those stories are embellished. Mm -hmm. But they're usually based in truth. Yeah. And, and that's what these are. They are stories that can be like this. So I'm sure that this author probably did see some, like, in, in real life, probably did see some weird show, like public access show as a kid, and this inspired them to write this. I bet. Um, for now, we're going to assume, like, it's, it, I'm going to, we're going to, we obviously, we know that there's, there's, there's a, we we're not sure what's truth and what's fiction at various points, but I like to come into the stories with the, the no sleep idea that unless set otherwise, yes. everything on no sleep is true. Yes. So, uh, let's talk about, let's keep, let's, let's keep going. Uh, real quick, um, we're getting an idea of Mitchell Wilson and we're getting a better idea of Elliot just from this paragraph. Oh yeah. Cause we're, we're beginning to understand it's, we are super over, along for this ride. Yeah. They, they have really put down like, look, we really don't know what's going on and we, and we run a no. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm now realizing, not just for you guys, but for myself, I need to know what happened. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> um, and I'm not trying to, like, like cut you off, because I think the discussion is obviously really important, but I... But we will talk forever. Yes, we have a lot to go through. Uh, that was just the first paragraph. He took me to the Davis Road Police Station. If you don't know, it's the largest station in Caledon, and one of the largest within the Peel region itself. Each of the main stations around Peel have some of the tapes, and Davis Road Station has three. I got to watch all of them. Unfortunately, I wasn't allowed to take any home for obvious reasons. Okay, good enough reason why he can't be like, I've uploaded the tapes for you to watch. As far as uploaded the tapes, yeah, he can't. But I don't like the each one has a few tapes. That is a kind of deal. a weird. That is kind of a weird detail. I don't. That's. That you'd think is all the you you'd think all the shattering for me. You'd think all the all the evidence would be kept in one place. Yeah. Yeah. That's this right here. I don't have a lot to say about it, but this is probably my least favorite part of the story. This whole this whole section. The, no. Or just this, that par just that paragraph. This fucking. Oh. Oh this. Each one of the main stations around Peel have some of the tapes. Yeah. The Davis Road Station has three. That sentence... Oh, fuck. I don't like it. It really upsets me. Well... It, really ta it, t it takes the piss out of the story. I don't think it bothers me as much, but I... But then again, like I said, I'm, I'm along for the ride, and, and uh, reading it, I go like, that. that's just... Why would you do that? Why would you have all the tapes scattered around? Why? But we know why, because if all the tapes are at one police station, then he could just watch them all. There, in there's sitting. all the story right there, and yeah. So, really, I, there could I have been know. a better way to to do that. And, it, and it's not going to be an easy problem to solve, and it never is an easy problem to solve that kind of stuff. No, but that's where the difficulty is mm -hmm. in in writing these kinds of stories. And this is very ambitious, but you can't just you lampshade. Yeah, they're at different police stations because they're at different police stations. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about the tapes that we do have available. Yes. <laughs> Booby. 
episode two. Friends are like flowers. This was one of the first booby episodes made. The camera quality looked crappier than usual, possibly an even older camcorder, but the scene was set in the same place as the booby episodes usually took place. I recognized it instantly. The episode began with Booby swaying back and forth contently for a few seconds before another hand entered. The other hand was much smaller, looking as if it belonged to a young child. The smaller hand eagerly began bouncing around before sliding up to Booby, bringing its fingertips together to kiss Booby. After a few seconds, Booby grabbed the smaller hand and squeezed it tightly. This continued for at least ten seconds before the camera slowly panned itself left until the hands were out of sight. The camera continued panning until it showed a wilted daisy lying by itself. The camera then zoomed in on the daisy slowly as a little girl's voice became audible saying, Friends are like flowers in the garden of life. The episode then ended. Oh, I fucking love it. It's <laughs> <This is> great. <laughs> I really love that. It's so fucking stupid, but it works so well. It really does. And, and we've already talked about a lot of the reasons why with previous Booby episodes, because Booby is really the best um, the best show on Caledon Local 21. Which is hilarious, because everyone latches on to Mr. Bear. Wherever you see this discussed, it's always Mr. Bear, Mr. Bear. No, you, Booby's fucking great. You're kidding me? I fucking love Booby. Paint, oh. Uh, yeah, Paint with a Soul. Paint, oh, this is the... Oh, here we go. Paint with a Soul, episode 10. Garbage thrown away. Paint with a Soul was one of the shows that I Am Real Life and Siggy92 discussed on Neoseeker. I told the police about this, and they informed me that 12 episodes of the show were made and broadcasted between December 5th, 1997 and January 8th, 1998, which would explain why the narrator never saw them. Yes. Exactly as I Am Real Life and... Uh, Rife. I Am... I Am Real Rife. <laughs> exactly as I Am Real Life and Siggy92 described... The episode opened with the cameraman wandering around in a forest. It appeared to be during the evening as it seemed the sun was setting. The cameraman walked, al uh, walked along a path until he got to an area where there was a lot of garbage lying in the leaves. The camera looked around at the various wrappers, bottles, bags, and boxes, making sure each item got a few seconds of screen time. The camera then focused onto a single area before the man spoke. I recall he spoke in a very timid, quiet voice. And I swear I've heard it somewhere else before. Like, on another local Caledon 21 show. I could barely hear what he was saying, but he mainly talked about how humans are garbage. Or something had to do with saving ourselves by cleaning up the garbage. Us. It actually sounded really stupid, but still, a feeling of dread came over me. I mean, that forest was possibly where the bodies were found, right? Uh, immediately the the setting up of there's a reason why he wouldn't see the shows is working. Mm -hmm. But if you're just coming at this as though it is a real story where you're really going in there with a suspension of disbelief, mm -hmm. you're not going to notice this because it just works. Yeah. And so the fact that this is working really well, y your mind doesn't register it. And so maybe if you are a younger or more naive creepypasta enthusiast you're you're not going to understand why that's working mm. and so but it works on multiple levels in that case yeah, right but yes so that's sort of the problem with <laughs> doing analysis of this stuff yeah because sometimes people 
super don't understand like there's there's nothing wrong there so they don't see that it's working you know what i mean right and that's and, that, i think and that's... we can supersede when something isn't working but we don't know what is successful but it's and important. that's what that's what i like about what we do we try and say look you didn't notice this but this is working yeah like that's we want to draw attention to that because hopefully not only will it give us give whoever's listening to this and a deeper appreciation of the story if it's working but maybe maybe even kind of be like plant something that says well maybe this is something you can also be looking for in the future yes like um, on your own when you read your own stories and it's, um, and it's kind of a shame because sometimes we'll critique a story and it might sound like we're being assholes but you can <laughs> when stuff is successful there's less to talk about like right. this just works so we don't have anything to say you know well, well i mean if you look at us um you know me and benson and andrew reading room zero and it's just positive feelings all around that's it that's yes. a good sign of a good story yeah and so you're in there are a lot of little things in that story that are working that you're just you know, it's hard to pick out and say, look, there's not a mistake here. You know what I mean? You you highlight the mistakes, and so you have a confirmation bias of that, mm -hmm. but you really don't highlight the positives as well. It's a hard thing to be sensitive to. Definitely. Actually, uh, this is one of the reasons I really like diving into stories, some of these stories cold with people, because I want to see a gut reaction sometimes. Yes. Now, in the case of this one, because it is such a case study, I'm, I wanted to make sure that we both kind of had an, an established understanding of the story before mm -hmm. we del delved into it. And we haven't, keep in mind, everybody, we haven't talked about this. We haven't discussed any of our thoughts on the story with each other up until no. this point. So our opinions are all new, and the fact that they match up so well not only says a lot about us, but says a lot about the story itself and how effective it actually is. Mm -hmm. And um, I like that... I am real life and Siggy uh, ninety two are being confirmed to be correct. That's kind of cool. Little That's bit of yeah information like the, this is something that we're going to see later on, but I don't have it yet. Mm -hmm. And the people who are talking about it don't have the details, so let me elaborate. And this... paint with a soul fucking great title mm -hmm. oh that's that's probably one of the better just titles of a show of any of the Caledon shows in there mm -hmm. um one thing I noticed in this last one is that and I swear I've heard it somewhere else before like on another Caledon local 21 show earlier yeah. <laughs> it should good. be fairly obvious why that's kind of a dumb statement because it's Mr. Bear. It was all done by the same guy. That yeah. was established way earlier in the blog. Yeah. It doesn't bother me as much because it's kind of like maybe he was speaking with a different inflection or maybe it was I remember that from Caldon 20, local Caldon Local 21, but maybe it's not Mr. Bear's voice. Maybe it's just like Oh, it's not Mr. Bear's voice, so who the fuck could it be, and why do I remember it? That's, that's interesting. Well, I mean, one thing, too, is that Mr. Bear's voice is usually muffled by the mask. And, yeah, of course, so. Booby and other... I mean, Booby and other characters have, have spoken, like in Soup and Spoon and whatnot, but maybe normally the voice doesn't talk in this sort of timid, quiet uh, cadence. Yeah. So, oh, we have a Mr. Bear coming up. Uh... Let's see if the story shits the bed here. Uh, uh, well, let's we'll see. see. <laughs> Mr. Bear's Cellar, episode 25. 
when the police administrator brought this tape in, I actually said, oh, shit, and chuckled a bit out loud. Of course, I got stares from the staff, but Wilson explained to them about my experience with Mr. Bear and how I still kept the letter he sent me. Like the previous episodes, this one included a guy wearing a bear mascot costume, probably the same guy. The episode began with Mr. Bear waddling over to the red cloth table with a bottle of orange juice in his hands. Pause? On the table were 16 shot glasses, as well as a small bottle that contained an unknown liquid. Mr. Bear poured an equal amount of orange juice into each glass before opening the smaller bottle and depositing one drop into the glasses. Mr. Bear then went off camera. There were some minor sounds such as shuffling, and then Mr. Bear emerged from behind the camera's location. <clears throat> Following him were 16 children. Some looked as young as four, others looked like they were practically teenagers. As the children entered, the administrator commented that this was the only episode that showed all 16 victims. Ooh. The kids all looked rather content, except for this one, who had visible bruises on his face. And unlike the other kids, he had a more fearful expression. He also looked about 11 or 12, which caused me to recognize him. He was the kid who had asked about his sister and subsequently met an unknown fate at the end of episode 23, that one episode I watched during July 1999. Bam. Yep. When I told the administrator this, he confirmed it was the same kid. He was also featured in episode 24, an episode that only aired once at 3 in July 1999. The police have still not found the tape. Mr. Bear then broke into song, singing about citrus fruits and how good vitamin C was for you. I could barely hear the lyrics as they were muffled by the bear mask. The kids all drink their juice, the one from episode 23 doing it rather reluctantly, and the episode ended. After viewing the three tapes in possession of the Davis Road Police Station, I'm satisfied, but only temporarily. I still want to know the full story. The police just keep giving me the same crap about the creator of Caledon Local 21 being a fetishist pedophile as well as an apparent cultist. I will sign off for now, get into university first, get information later. Hopefully, I will get back to this blog as soon as possible. So, the police don't buy it overall, and I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that he's got, he thinks that there's something more to it. Yeah. But I don't exactly know why he thinks that there's something more to it, because he hasn't told us to right. believe otherwise. Right. He, he, I call it a hunch, I guess. I mean, for Elliot. Because if he had some information about you know, why he wouldn't be a pedophile cultist or something. He should bring it forward, but right now, we definitely get cultist and pedophile is a distinct possibility. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking... Again, the thing that's r the only real mystery now is the kids themselves. Mm-hmm. And because that's, that's the most interesting detail to me, is that they joined in and did these weird chants in the woods along with Mr. Bear. And yeah. so... Cultist, yes, that confirmed, but uh, we 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 get it. I don't know. We we get it. We super get it by this point. And I, you know, I because hmm. he if he has more information about Mr. Bear, he's not sharing it yet. Yeah, exactly. And why wouldn't and why wouldn't he? Yeah, that's a little weird. We um, super still don't know. But yeah. uh, episode twenty four. An episode that only aired once at three 
in July could, 1999. We could presume in the morning. Yes. Um, no, I, I don't know. Maybe in the afternoon. But why do we know this if we don't have the tape? And like, did where, they find, where, like, where did uh, we get this information? Yeah, they didn't say. What I want to know, because it said... Uh, the Did they say that the... Because it doesn't say... An episode, it doesn't say where the information came from. It just says, oh, wait, the administrator confirmed it. So there must be a police record of everything, every one broadcast. But they might not have all the tapes. Probably should be explained a little better. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can, you can, it gets inferred, but it's a little clumsy. And it, it could be read as the same problem that Dead Part has, where it's like, you know, there's... The transcript says that Homer says a joke here, but you can't hear it, and it's like, what fucking transcript from wherever? Yeah, that's what that's what I'm wondering about. Because you, so, you you should have said one of the things that the police had. You could you could set that up is they had a a record, uh, some sort of timesheet or journal or something that they found that just listed all the episodes with their names. Because we're also getting the episode names too most of the yeah. time, their episode numbers and when they aired. We don't get that detail. We can assume they have that, but it wasn't given to us. And I'm not sure if, um, you know, how exactly this works and what kind of regulations in place and how legal Caldon Local 21 was. But if this is aired from, if this is, you know, like a satellite signal that is shot out from a house, like a pirate radio kind of thing, mm-hmm. then there would be no fucking information about this kind of stuff. Like, no, exactly. where would you? So it's not like. They went to a, like, PBS or something and, like, subpoenaed them for information. hmm So, it's, you can very easily explain it away, but the author didn't. Nope. Now, again, it seems like we're being harsh, but we're mostly doing this because we're trying to identify, again, what's working in the story and what doesn't. And when something like this comes up, it becomes distracting, you know? Yeah. And and let's preface this. We are creepypasta enthusiasts. This is what we like. So I would much rather read this flawed creepypasta story that is has a lot of interesting stuff in it mm-hmm. than I would, you know, enjoy watching Jason or some other kind of horror movie that just doesn't appeal to me but might be better made. Right. There's... You know? It's because, again, for what it's doing for the genre, for what the way it, the author understands how a creepypasta should work, it's working. There's just, you know, like any like any other, like anyone else out there, potentially, there are there are flaws. I mean, every story is going to have its flaws, but um, and, and it's our it's our duty as enthusiasts and relatively educated individuals to point these out and to understand why they're there. And what they could potentially detract from the story, but also what really works, what really comes across strong. It's a praise, correct, praise situation. Mm-hmm. And um, which is something I do in my work with children a lot. So, <laughs> Yes, yes, that is that is the case. Well, I think we've hit a good point where we should um, we can call it in terms of. Uh, uh, call it a night because the next update doesn't come in for a little while. But when we tune back in, intrepid listeners, we will continue into the uh, 
sordid and complicated mystery of Mr. Bear and Caledon Local 21. And hopefully we'll see more episodes of Booby, because that's like my favorite fucking show. And we can have some closing statements about this. And I don't think we really talked on it as much as we should have. Well, now we're well, but, we're totally open. To, I'm totally open yeah. to closing statements. Let's we didn't we didn't really discuss the kayfabe thing as much. Um, maybe we kind of touched it on a little, and we get the idea. But the fact that this is being put out there without breaking kayfabe, without telling people that this is fake and not acknowledging that it's fake is wonderful, especially mm-hmm. since it's ongoing. Yeah. That's, we are that's part the, of these events. That's another thing. This has been going on for a while. I mean, just considering where it's dated, I mean, the last entry, and I've looked this up, was was within the last, again, the last two weeks. So it's, yeah. And uh, still no, still no breach of of character. Still no, hey, this is my creepy pasta. No, hey, um, I know you guys are expecting an update, but I have shit going on in my life. And you, and that's the thing too, is this person could very well come out and speak in that manner and still act as if it's real. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's cool because again, it's 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 set up. In a very subtle way, but it works to the advantage of the author, who probably has a lot to do outside of working on this story. Which is why that they're, they, that they're are, doing for free. They're, they're not profiting from this. The so. yeah, the the updates are few and well, maybe not few and far between, but there are significant gaps between what happens and there are legit reasons given by Elliot that m- probably match up with what the author is doing as well. And it's kind of like, you know, what the fuck can I do? I can't get any more information. You know, it's the parts where he's like, I hit a dead wall, you know? Yeah. And then then the updates come up. It's like, I've had a I've had a breakthrough. Yes. That's satisfying. It's really mm-hmm. satisfying because then you 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 believe it. And stories like this tend to not be represented as well but there's a bunch of hidden gems out there that are kind of like this Mm -hmm. and i think that this is probably the most well-known one that's using this format effectively definitely are there any stories out there that you feel like are underrepresented that that execute something like this well but have not don't have the attention they deserve and that being the case would you where would you want to steer people who are listening to this and maybe want something that needs want to hear something or read something that needs more attention. Um, we were talking about this earlier. Go to Territorialini. Like, that place is really fucking small. It's dead. But there's just this archive of really strange stories there. <laughs> where people who are like us, who really care about creepypasta and want to elevate it, and even if they wouldn't use the lingo that I use and, like, say, Fleming Effect and and talk about it as being radical realism and everything, they understand those functions very well on, fact, an intu- on an intuitive level. Right. So if you're looking for stuff like this, it might be worth it. And actually, as and someone who is... We're, we're not getting anything from... We're not, like, legit trying to plug this because we're... <laughs> I don't think you even knew about it. I, I, Just I, go I knew, there because it's fucking cool. I knew I knew about it only because I've seen it. I've seen the link name and I've gone, oh, okay, another creepypasta site. But I didn't go to it. I didn't know that 
it by this. So I'm actually tempted to check it out and potentially mine it for Midnight Marinara fodder. Also, if you go there, it's going to be sad because you're going to see all this cool work and then it's just a dead community. That's unfortunate. Do you think, yeah. is there any way someone could go on, create an account, and maybe give it a little spark of life? Yeah, I tried to do that, but now they kind of have a Facebook group where all of the active members just commiserate. Oh, okay. It's like a little club. Yeah. All right. And um, one last thing. All the 16 shot glasses. Not a whole lot to say about that, about that and the unknown liquid, but it's fucking cool. It's ominous as fuck. Yeah. And the thing is, I think for, for once, this is a Mr. Bear episode that doesn't, that doesn't shit the bed <laughs> yeah it doesn't feel it feels subtle it feels more subtle than the rest it, it it's even pretty obvious to to a degree i know what you mean but it's pretty obvious that something weird is going on well it's but it's, it's it's not a generic like get the fuck out kind of deal you're not invited yeah it's really pushing this cultist part of the story right like the kids it seems like the kids do it pretty willingly except for the mm -hmm. one kid and I actually, again, like that that came up. I like that we see the fate of the one kid who tried to recover his sister, I presume. Yeah. And um, that's it's interesting. It's actually it's actually pretty interesting. This is a this is a step in the right direction for Mr. Bear. A significant step in the right direction for Mr. Bear. <laughs> uh, last time we came out of this saying. Yeah, it's a good story and it has its problems. I think we're a little more optimistic from this ending Definitely. of this session. And uh, so, again, I refuse to give the story the complete freshness rating until we get to the final part. And this is going to, and as this is ongoing, um, who knows when the final part will come. Yeah. But um, once we get all caught up, my my intention is if it keeps going every time there's a new update we jump on we'll it. We'll keep right talking away. about it. We're gonna keep talking about it. But generally, I'm thinking about this. Initially, I wanted to say that this is an above average. I would give this an above average, and I would give it even maybe slightly higher than that. This story is really working. Hey, yeah, and that's the thing is when you're making creepy pasta, there. There's not a whole lot of room for error, so it's there's a lot of, you know, one out of tens and ten out of tens. There's not a whole lot of stories like this where there's just a few flaws. Right, which is really which is really neat. This is one of the neat yeah. the, the best the best things about this story is there are flaws and yet the story is still really good. Because usually it's a you get it or you don't kind of thing with groovy pasta and. This person gets it and then just makes these really weird mistakes <laughs> that are strange. Definitely. Mistakes I've made, mistakes you've made, That, but it's hard to come by. And you can learn from these mistakes, really. I, I advise anyone who wants to take creepypasta seriously to not only read stuff like this, but to listen to this show, keep listening to the show, and maybe... Continue to ascribe to the things that both me and Dead Palette are doing. Shameless plug, shameless plug, shameless plug. Well, what I want to plug is the comment section. If I would really like people to leave, you know, more in-depth comments. Like, it's great if you're saying, yeah, we enjoy what you guys are doing. But we kind of want to know what you think. Mm -hmm. I certainly do. 
Oh, I yeah. want to know what people have to say about this kind of stuff. I want, I want to, to steer... know their opinions on 1999. Definitely. Um, that being said, I want to. St- I, I, yeah, leave comments below, guys. What do you think? What do you guys? What do? You, how are you? How do you guys like the story? Do you not like it? Is it? Uh, what? What do? You, or better yet, it doesn't have to be that that um, simple. Do you want to break it down? Do you want to have your own analysis of what's going on? Be be a part of this. Be a part of the conversation. Make a fucking video response, you know? I'll plug it. I'll plug yeah. it. I'll share it with people if you make a video response. Well, we can disagree with it, and we'll probably plug it, so... Yeah, because we just... We... We're not we're not teachers at the head of the classroom saying, this is how stuff is, and it has to be this way. No, we're just guys who have really high opinions of... Well, maybe not ourselves, but at least of, of certain creepypasta. And we want to... We want to see discussion happen. We want to. We we encourage discussion because we love this. We love doing this. And there are a few people out there. I won't name names. Where I've seen people talk about creepypasta, and they're really not open to letting creepypasta work effectively. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll say, "Oh, that's kind of dumb." Instead of asking, "Oh, why was that done?" Here we're trying to say like. You know, this seems like a mistake. Why would someone do this? Yeah. It's not it's so someone could certainly come along. We've done it to each other where we come along and say, no, but did you consider it from this angle? And then one of us looks stupid. <laughs> and we're OK with that. We are, because really all, all of that is just is just there are things you take. You take you take things from that and you become a better storyteller, a better artist, a better writer, a better, a better pasta consumer. connoisseur as a result. Yeah. And Lord knows, I mean, we, you and I have both embraced different faucets of the genre. I run with the fact that Creepypasta is a really fucking stupid name for the genre, and I go with the comedy angle. I and go I with hate, the tongue-in-cheek. I hate saying Creepypasta. And yet, you keep saying it. Yeah, because otherwise people won't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Well... And that's 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 a that's a that's a whole discussion in itself. We have we have material for a lifetime, kids. So don't worry. There's more to come. So, but let's not keep fucking talking. Let's have you guys talk. Yeah. So for real. So please, our closing thoughts are done. Now we want to hear from you. Post comments. Right. Do video responses. Get in touch with us. We want to talk us, to you. Tell us that we're evil. It's fine. <laughs> tell us that we're fucking wrong. We're more than happy to hear it. Tell us that we're assholes for being friends with Slime Beast. Yes. <laughs> Tell me that I'm an asshole and that I hate autistic people. Go for it. <clears throat> Tell me that um, I uh, I don't actually actively seek permission from people or something, which is inherently untrue. And <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of a, a major gripe people have with my stuff. If you have major gripes with my stuff, I tell us. Tell tell me. <laughs> We'll hear it and we'll refute it, or we'll agree. Who knows? We are very open-minded. So that, if, you're Pete, if you're Peter Allen, we'll just fucking agree. If you're Peter Allen, come be on the show with us. For real. <laughs> and and trust me, if 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 any of this, if if this stuff with just me and Did Palette is boring to you, and you like the goof, the goofball, the more goofball aspects of it, don't worry. There's going to be more of that. I think the dynamic changes with everybody I have on this show, and that's why I want to keep it changing. But if you really like just the, the serious discussion, well, more power to you. And I'll keep things serious and pretentious. 
and I'll try to add bear puns wherever I can. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.